All right. So let's begin with our lesson tonight on 1 Corinthians. We are uh, working through chapter 14 and addressing the topic of the gifts of the Spirit. As you know, the book of Corinthians is written to the church that is divided. They're divided on many fronts. Um, and the part that Paul is dealing with now is the division on, on the way church gatherings are being held. So church gatherings at this time were full of the gifts of the Spirit. Um, there was lots of spiritual gifts in operation in Corinth uh, in the early church, but was not prevalent was love was not prevalent was humility and a team spirit working together and submitting to the spirit of God. And so these are the, these are the concerns that Paul addresses. There was also an overemphasis on um, speaking in tongues. And I don't mean an over, maybe overemphasis is the wrong way to say it, but um, there was not a, it wasn't being done in a constructive way. It wasn't being done in a way that built up the body. And this is the thing, if what's being done is not edifying, encouraging, admonishing, or strengthening the body of Christ, then it is not helpful, and it is a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Um, so we've got to be careful that we don't, we don't become so spiritual um, that we don't allow growth, healthy growth, discipleship to take place in our midst. And we also have to be careful that we don't become so um, dry and stagnant and word-based that we neglect the moving of the spirit or we diminish its importance, or as some have done, even deny its viability in the church today. So um, we, we need to know and understand a few things about the gifts of the spirit. The gifts of the spirit are, are not... Um, they're not a, a way to establish doctrine. So nobody's going to come up with a new revelation that's going to establish new doctrine um, and, and um, you know, change what the Bible says. If it expounds on the word of God and confirms and is confirmed by the word, that's different. That's, you know, maybe a new application to existing principle and the principle stands and it's just the way it's being applied um, is what shifts and changes. That's one thing. <clears throat> That's perhaps what we need to get the spirit for to help us apply the word to our lives. But um, the gifts are not to establish doctrine. The gifts do not replace the leadership of the church. They do not replace the means of seeking God daily. Um, they are not a quick road to any kind of spiritual health. Um, I've seen all kinds of video clips of crazy things being done in churches. In one particular clip, there was a, a lady who claimed to have received miraculous weight loss in service. And she lost, apparently, according to the video, three dress sizes in one service. And I thought that was, I sent the video to my friends and I said, sign me up for this conference. <laughs> I need this kind of working of miracles in my church. <laughs> but I, I kind of chuckled at it because I was like, this is not in line with what the gifts of the Spirit are for. Um, the gifts of the Spirit do not replace the need for personal health and growth. They do not um, 
give us a quick and easy solution to things. Sometimes God's, and I would say probably nine times out of 10, God desires healing and healing is a process. Um, and so while, while I, you know, I don't know how to dispute this lady's claims that she lost three dress sizes in a service miraculously. Um, I, I'm going to venture on the side that says it's probably not legit because it doesn't line up with the principles of the word of being disciplined and having, um, you know, a disciplined lifestyle. But can God do that? I believe he could definitely can. But it's not going, the gifts are not going to replace the need for daily disciplines. We need daily spiritual disciplines. Getting a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, word of prophecy does not mean we can just relax spiritually because God's going to do it. No, we've actually got to now probably work harder and be more disciplined and more direct and intentional in our lives than before to, to do our part to fulfill what God is doing. Because often God works in covenant with us. He'll do his part if we do our part. Um, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, heal their heal their land, uh, you know, forgive their sin, heal their land. So there's a partnership. There's a covenant relationship that God wants with his people. And the gifts are a way for God to make us aware of his part and to help us become part of his part. But also um, there is the our part of the gifts of the spirit. The, the covenant relationship is two-sided. Um, the gifts of the spirit are never to glorify individuals. So anybody that begins to claim healing ministry and uh, prophet ministry and prophetess and prophet and apostle, and it becomes more about them than about the ministry, um, you know, uh, where, you know, they, they become very elevated, they need bodyguards and don't walk in front of the prophet and don't, don't, uh, don't interrupt the prophet when the prophet is ministering. And this just, that's glorifying individuals. That's not what the gifts are for. That's not what the offices of the, uh, of, of the spirit are for. Now, I think there needs to be order in a service. And sometimes one has to take charge of a service in order to maintain that, that direction, but it can be done in a way that is, is kind and is uh, beneficial to the body and not glorifying somebody and making them the center of attention. Um, the gifts of the spirit are always under subjection of those who are using them. <coughs> um, the gifts of the spirit are not, they don't take over your body. You weren't possessed by the Holy ghost. You're not possessed by God. Um, and so you have full control. God does not violate your will to participate in the, the working of the, the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and so we have to remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. So that goes for worship. That goes for every part of, of spiritual activity. Those who are participating in that 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 spiritual activity are fully in control of uh, excuse me of their faculties and they're not um they're not at the mercy of the spirit they're not they can't not stop it now they may not want to stop it in such cases um it may be wise for them to 
if it's not time for that within the service. Oftentimes churches will have other rooms. People can go in and pray. I've heard, I've heard, I've been in services where the one leading the service asked those who were uh, praying and interceding, please don't stop. We, and, and I loved, I think it was Raymond Woodward, how he did it. It was just so smooth and gentle. Maybe it was just very Canadian. I don't know. But there was, he was preaching and there was a group of people that just kept going and they were really praying. They were praying loud and praying in tongues. And he commended them and said, we need you. This service depends on you to continue to intercede in prayer. Um, but for the sake of where God wants this service to go right now, could you take that over into the prayer room? And would you be in prayer for this service until God releases you? We need you to keep doing that, but we need you to do that in this room over here. And it was so good. It was so, the way he did it, the way it was done, it was smooth. It honored the move of the spirit. It did not quench the spirit. It did not put down or diminish the fervor of those who were praying. It didn't make them out to be like weirdos who were just, you know, fanatical. He was celebrating and actually um, sensing in the spirit that what they were doing was valid, but it needed to be done in a place where what was being done there could still be accomplished and both could happen at the same time. That is decent and in order, and it works on all fronts. And I think those who are leading the service need to be sensitive to that. But those who are participating in the service also must have that kind of sensitivity that says, we've, we've got to fall in line with the direction of the Spirit for this service. So last week we talked about Word of Wisdom, uh, which is an expression of intelligence and its application. And it's a word that comes to you from God. It does not mean that you are wise. <laughs> It does not make you wise. If God uses you in the word of wisdom, it does not make you wise. It just means God gave you a word for that particular time. Word of knowledge is the same. It's imparting of insight. It's a word of knowledge. Uh, and it's intelligence or comprehension. Sometimes the word of knowledge comes for you to just understand what's happening and not for you to say anything or do anything with it, just for you to know what's going on. Um, the discerning of spirits is not the gift of discernment. It's the discerning of spirits. God gives you the ability to discern between human, angelic, uh, demonic, <coughs> and the spirit of God, and to be able to decide what is going on here <coughs> in this particular situation. Paul dealt with this in Acts um, where he dealt with the, the girl who was coming through and, and claiming that they were messengers of the Most High God. But Paul discerned that she had a spirit of divination. And the Greek word there is the spirit of a python. And he felt grieved in his spirit after many days. And the, the word grieved there was he felt um, constricted in his spirit. And so uh, this, this is such a cool thing because the scripture actually um, acknowledges the fact that that Paul was feeling this, this physical contraction or constriction in his body that was a signal that this was a spiritual thing. And oftentimes, we'll talk about this tonight and in, in when we get into the other gifts, 
uh, oftentimes there is a physical signal that God gives you to let you know um, he wants to use you in this particular gift. And it's different for everybody. And that's why the best way to know is to practice and to pray and to fast and to seek God. And that's why Paul said, uh, earnestly seek for the best gifts. In other words, pray about it. Ask God to reveal it to you. And when you feel those promptings, you feel the Lord leading you, act on what you're sensing in the spirit, and then and then submit that to those who you're submitted to, to say, hey, uh, what did you discern from what was going on there? Did the Lord give you any uh, understanding or knowledge of what's happening? Am I doing this right? <coughs> Excuse me. And this is what um, that that kind of attitude really helps and uh, is is powerful because it it helps to uh, submit yourself to what's going on and submit um, to growing and learning how God wants to use you in that 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 gift. All right. So tonight, we are going to deal with uh, the three utterance gifts, prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. All right. All right, 1 Corinthians 14 and 1. Uh, Paul deals with the topic of prophecy here. And he starts off by saying, follow after charity, so follow love, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. So Paul elevates prophecy above all the other gifts as the most effective, the best gift, perhaps, to, to um, be proficient in is the gift of prophecy. Seek that you may prophesy. Ask God to give you a, a gift of, of prophecy. And so this uh, word comes from the Greek uh, propheteo, to foretell events, to speak under inspiration, and to exercise the divine. It's a gift that's most universally beneficial to the body. Working of miracles is only beneficial to those who need a miracle. Healings is only beneficial to those who need healing. Wisdom is only beneficial to those who need wisdom. Knowledge is only beneficial to those who need knowledge. Um, Discerning of spirits is only beneficial to those who, who need discerning of spirits. But prophecy is something that can happen at any time and be beneficial to anybody, no matter what stage of growth they're at. Why? Because prophecy is not just foretelling, prophesying, uh, and, and predicting the future. Uh, that is encompassed in prophecy to foretell events. But prophecy is also defined as speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit. And that's why Paul said, 
seek that you may prophesy, seek that you may have this gift of prophecy, because it not just means telling the future or predicting something that might happen, but rather it means to reveal something that was before hidden and now is revealed to you. Verse 2 says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. For no man understandeth him, however, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Um, and so Paul is touching on two things. He's touching on speaking in tongues, and this is the gift of diverse kinds of tongues. Paul says when you speak in an unknown tongue um, and you you utter those words, you don't know what you're saying, and those around you don't know what you're saying, but God knows what you're saying. So your spirit is praying to God's spirit in pure communication, and you're speaking mysteries about yourself. Um, you know, uh, someone might say, well, I, I, I know myself really well. The, the truth is we don't. Um, you only know yourself about as much as you know what you look like. And you really don't know what you look like without the aid of a mirror. The mirror tells you what you look like. If it wasn't for a mirror or any kind of reflection, you would never know what you look like. You have to have that revealed to you. Well, it's the same in the spirit. You don't really know yourself unless it's revealed to you, unless it's shown to you. There's some kind of reflection that reflects back who you are, how you tick, what you what you you know, respond to, react to immediately. All of that revelation comes from the word of God, is best from the word of God, and is also reflected in uh, the spirit. So um, when you pray in the spirit, your spirit is able to pray on the level of knowing you and what you need to God, and God understands that, and it's a mystery. He that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification. Okay? So he that prophesieth speaketh unto men unto edification and exhortation and comfort. So three things prophecy should do. Prophecy should uh, edify, exhort, and comfort. Prophecy should edify, exhort, and comfort. Uh, those words are broken down into the following explanation. They should build up, not tear down. They should exhort, urge to do something, admonish with a goal of strengthening, and comfort, encourage, comfort, and soothe. Prophecy should always fall under one of these three categories or all three. If prophecy comes forth in the church service, but it does not build up, it tears down. It does not exhort or urge someone to do something with the goal of spiritual growth or strengthening them. And if the prophecy does not comfort anyone, is not encouraging, comforting, or soothing, then, then it should be challenged. There should be some discerning, maybe discerning of spirits that is needed at that moment to, to say, hey, is this of God? What is going on? Because Paul said that he that prophesies speaks for these three reasons, to build up, to urge to do something, or to encourage. And sometimes they're all three, sometimes they're just one. Whatever the case is, it's got to hit one of those three. 
because that's what prophecy is for. Um, and then verse four says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesied edifieth the church. So there is an element of when you speak in tongues, diverse kinds of tongues, you're building up your spiritual man. You're building up yourself in Christ. But it's it's kind of uh, ignorant edifying. You don't really know what is being said or done in the spirit, but God knows. And so definitely, if you don't know, the rest of the church doesn't know. So Paul's making a case here for the the role of prophecy in the church of of foretelling and forthtelling, revealing and and uh, opening up the word of God. That is so important to the to the building and edifying and growing of the church. Um, every time the word is used in the New Testament, it's used in the application of a divine utterance or the foretelling of an event. So prophecy can happen to foretell something. In fact, uh, in Acts 11, um, in Acts 11, it says, in those days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there, were, there was going to be a great famine over all the world. And the disciples determined to everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And um, that was that was the purpose of that particular prophecy. It was the foretelling of an event that was going to happen, and it spurred the church to action. And that's the point of, of prophecy. Prophecy is a covenant thing. God reveals or foretells and the church is to respond with some kind of an action, some kind of a follow-up that would would bring the 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 purpose of that of that knowledge or revelation or prophecy to pass. Now, um, the one of the questions might be, well, who who's allowed to prophesy? Is it only the preachers? Is it only the licensed ministers? Uh, no, no. In fact, the hallmark of an apostolic church which we, we hail back to the prophecies of Joel on the day of Pentecost that Peter requoted in Acts 2. And um, this prophecy is quoted again on the day of Pentecost as part of a fulfillment of what God was doing. And the, the word there is that it shall come to pass afterward thou pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So a few things. Uh, sons and daughters, speaking of youth, young people can prophesy. Children, young people can prophesy. And not just young men, but young women, sons and daughters should prophesy. And old men shall dream dreams. Young men shall see visions. So there is a, a multi-generational, multi, uh, multi-generational approach here. Youth, young adults, and older uh, members of the church are all eligible to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. That's the, the hallmark of an apostolic church, is that the gifts are in operation across the board, and that's God's will. Um, and we should desire this gift of prophecy. However, be sure that it's done properly and in order. Um, and so it's very important that we do this in order. Now, um, prophecy is actually more common than you might realize. Uh, Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. 
The Bible says, and I fell at his feet to worship him. John is writing here, and he says, uh, see that thou doest it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So Paul says right here, um, or I'm sorry, John says that this this uh, either angel or brethren that he, he met in, in, in the book of Revelation uh, told him that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, when you testify about Jesus, you start talking about Jesus, you start telling others how Jesus has impacted your life. You are in the spirit of prophecy. You are right there. You may not be prophesying, but you are right there, and God can use you in a moment without even you realizing it, that you're prophesying. Now, uh, I haven't dis discerned whether this is prophecy or word of knowledge yet, and maybe it's a little bit of both. But I was teaching a Bible study to a new uh, a new family that was had started coming to our church, and uh, the the daughter who was middle age, she was in her late thirties, not quite middle age, but late thirties was there. And her mother who was older was there in, in the Bible study. And we were just talking about, um, you know, living holy and living right. And, um, I began to talk about how God designed relationships and that it wasn't God's intention for us to, to, um, to sleep around or to live, um, a promiscuous lifestyle, but a, a lifestyle of separation and saying, you know what, I'm going to save myself for one man, one woman, and I'm going to be married to them and devoted and committed to them. And at the time I thought this is pretty safe because I, I wasn't aware of any kind of relationship thing going on. And um, so I would thought this is pretty safe. I don't feel like I'm attacking anybody specifically with this, this, uh, Bible study. And I was just kind of talking about it generally and, and addressing it. And I really felt the Holy Ghost move in. So whenever I feel the Holy Ghost move in on a certain point, I stay there a little bit. And I just kept talking about it and talking about it. And I showed scripture and it was very gentle, but it was, it was direct. I could feel the directness of the spirit in that Bible study. And come to find out the mother, the older woman in the room had just recently moved in with her boyfriend and was starting to live this lifestyle. And she had been coming to church. She had been baptized and she was trying to turn her life around. Uh, and so what was that? There was no knowledge on my part of what was going on, but there was a, we were talking about Jesus. And so I was operating in the spirit of prophecy. I was foretelling or forth telling, revealing to her specifically, something about the word of God she wasn't aware of. Now, that could have been that could have been word of knowledge. But I would think that word of knowledge would be the Lord more or less saying to me, uh, Joel, this woman here is now living with her boyfriend. That would be word of knowledge. And word of wisdom would be how to deal with that knowledge. I think this was prophecy because it was divinely inspired. I felt the unction of the Spirit at the time to to just remain on this topic and talk about it a little bit 
according to the word of God in a gentle way. And so I did. And that happens often when I'm preaching. Sometimes when I'm preaching the word of God, there is new revelation, new understanding of a scripture. I had already studied it. I'd already studied the passage, but the Lord just connects the dots while I'm preaching. And all of a sudden, there is a whole new message now being given that I wasn't intending on saying. And that's prophecy. That's a word of prophecy for that moment, because there, when God does that, I'm aware somebody in the room needs to hear what I'm saying. And I don't know who it is, but it's somebody. Sister Prudence, a lady that comes to our church, although uh, due to COVID and her health, she hasn't been able to come out. She was famous for telling a story of when she first came in the church. She was in Jamaica and she was she decided to go to church. The Lord kind of spoke to her that Sunday and said, when, when last have you been to church? So she made her way to church that day. And the message, she said, it was like the, 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 the pastor was reading her mail. And this lady was just like opening up the word of God and just touching on every part of her life. And she got up indignant, like just offended and upset that this woman would dare expose her in this way. And the Holy Ghost spoke to her and said, sit down. She doesn't know you. <laughs> and now it's funnier to listen to her and tell it because she says it in a, with a lot of patois uh, uh, <laughs> uh, accent and, and words that make it a much more entertaining story than what I'm doing. But what was happening there, that was prophecy. That was prophecy going forth. It, what was it doing? It was exhorting her. It was admonishing her to make a change, and it was doing so in an encouraging way because the Spirit said to her, sit down. She's not admonishing you. I am. <laughs> she doesn't know you, but I'm speaking to you through her. And that, that, that converted prudence on the spot, and she, she turned her life over to the Lord in that service because of that. My dad was approached while he was uh, still serving under Brother Church in Oshawa. He was serving there as a youth pastor, and they had recently switched leadership up, and he wasn't the youth pastor anymore. And so there was a, some, um, you know, shifting of of ministries going on in the church, and he was kind of just waiting for Brother Church to release him to go and start his own church, or you know, do a daughter work or something. And they had uh, the the missionary Benny Demerchant. Many of you might recognize that name. He was a missionary to Brazil and was really the one who God used to open up the doors for the truth in Brazil and the massive work that's there because of his his work. And Benny Demerchant came up to my dad, talked to him, realized you know who he was, and began to talk about him. What you know? What do you want to do for the Lord? And Dad kind of told him he felt a calling to pastoring. And Brother Demerchant kind of just cocked his head to the side and looked at my dad and said, okay, well, what are you waiting for? And my dad kind of didn't know how to respond to that and just said, well, Brother Church hasn't released me to go yet. And uh, Brother Demerchant just said, well, why are you waiting for that to happen? Just go. Go. Start a church. Just go. And it was that conversation that, that really pushed my dad over the edge he had been feeling this for a while, 
situations within the church had been moving him in that direction, but he had never taken the step or the leap of faith to get out there and do what God was calling him to do. And so Brother Demerchant, I believe God used him to prophesy. Now you might say, well, he didn't really tell pastor. He didn't tell your dad where to go or what to do. No, but he was exhorting him. Go. What are you waiting for? Uh, here's a word from the Lord. Go. Here's a prophecy. I'm prophesying over you. Go and start a church. Just get out there. What are you waiting? You don't need to wait for him to release you. You go to him and 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 go. Just take initiative. And that's what urged him to go out and and uh, look for a place to pastor or start a church. And here we are. So um, this is this is the gift of prophecy. Prophecy happens sometimes when you're not even in in, in a uh, constant conscious of what's going on. Other times, God will give you a word for somebody and begin to speak to you. This happened recently uh, to to me and my wife, a, a friend of ours uh, who's a missionary was coming through and prayed over us and our family and and prophesied over us, not in a spooky, weird way, but just begin to speak things that he couldn't have known otherwise. But the Lord had given him a word and given us a word, and we needed that, and it was encouraging, and it was admonishing, it was exhorting, it was moving, uh, it has a, a movement component to it to say, this is this is uh, some a step you need to take to go in this direction, and, and that's the gift of prophecy. Uh, for me, prophecy comes on me when I'm preaching predominantly. I can sense when God is really zeroing in. There's an anointing that comes. There's a special touch of the Spirit that comes on me, comes over me when I'm preaching or ministering the Word. That's it. You can feel the surge of the Spirit in the words that I'm saying. Uh, the words that I'm saying come out with a little bit more authority. They come out with a little bit more umph because there is an unction, there is a drive of the Spirit. And, and for me, there's a signal I usually get, and it's my stomach just kind of tightens. There's like a, for me, it's, it's I feel like my stomach tightens up, and I can feel that, that unction of the Spirit. That's just that one of those little physical signals God gives me when He's using me in prophecy or tongues and interpretation. So we're going to quickly cover tongues and interpretation here. And then we'll close for the night. So the gift of diverse tongues. Um, it, oh, by the way, um, it's very important this portion of, of the lesson be acknowledged. And maybe actually what we'll do is I won't get into diverse tongues and interpretation tonight. But um, I'll give an opportunity for if anybody submitted questions, I'll quickly check that. And, uh, and if you didn't submit it don't you can go ahead and submit one now if you had a question about anything we said or maybe send something in the chat box or just unmute yourself and um and uh go ahead and ask any questions or anything regarding prophecy uh, but i just wanted to cover this last portion of the the, the word of prophecy so i'll you know, hopefully that you trigger your brain if you have a question to think about it now and ask it. Um, with prophecy, whoever is prophesying um, should allow others to judge what they're what what they are saying. So here it is in verse 
uh, 29 of chapter 14, Paul kind of gives the guiding principles of prophecy. Verse 29, let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. So there should be no more than two or three prophecies given in succession in a service. Um, and and uh, two or three, and then let the people judge. Let, let those who are spiritual judge and discern if what's being said is of God. Verse 30, if, if anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. So don't hog the mic, but submit to the other brethren, the other sisters that are in the room that may have a revelation or a word from the Lord. In verse 31, for ye may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted. So uh, very important that um, the, the prophecy is discerned by those who are in charge of the service. Those who are leading the service should discern and seek out from the Lord. Is this of you? Is this what you want? Or is there something amiss here? Do we need to rein this in? Do we need to correct something that's being said or done in this service, in this particular situation? Excuse me. If one's not willing to be judged, they should not venture into prophecy. If you don't have the, the stomach to be judged by what you're saying and see, is, is this of God? Is this not of God? If you're not having that humility, then... Um, you need to take care of that humility problem first before you seek to be used in the gift of prophecy. All right. Is there any questions or um, any discussion that you guys would like to have about this topic of prophecy? Pastor, I remember back to Kingston, um, there was one time that I, in an ultra service, I had been going through some, some dark time, and I was being used in the gift, and and um, I remember I gave the I gave the I gave the tongues, and then there was no interpretation. But Brother Handsome Senior said, Sister Barb, I believe that is for you. But it was interesting just before past before Brother Hanscom Senior said that because I had been going through some deep water, the devil whispered in my ears, "Oh, you really think you have the gift? You don't have the gift. That that's just you speaking." But it was almost like the Lord, you not almost the Lord used that situation and quickly prompted our pastor to say, "You know, maybe do I realize? You no, know, Barb, you're not. You didn't do anything out of of character." This is of God, but it's something for you specifically. So I thought it was amazing how God took that situation and spoke to my pastor to to clarify that I wasn't out of line, but yeah. that was, was for me. What do you what gifts do you think were in operation in in that 
in that service, just kind of uh, dissect it a little bit and try to name, because it's important for you to name it and recognize it because it'll help you discern it in the future. So what gifts do you think, based on what we've been taught so far, were in operation in that setting? Um, maybe a gift of healing, like healing emotionally of what I've been going through. I don't know. Okay, perhaps. Um, more specifically, and it, there, it's a little bit more obvious. It's not, it's not um, complicated, but... Uh, I would say primarily there was a gift of diverse diversity okay. for mm -hmm. you, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I know we haven't touched on that one yet, but diverse kinds of tongues was the gift you were operating in. But what gift do you think Brother Hanscom was being operating, was operating in? Oh, wisdom. You have to have wisdom big time. Okay. A word of wisdom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What else? discernment discerning, discerning of spirits mm -hmm. yeah. sure very much very important it's not the gift of discernment a lot of people confuse that it's the gift of discerning of spirits mm -hmm. he was discerning that the spirit of god was indeed working in you mm -hmm. and doing something specific and he had a word of wisdom wisdom in that moment to to say something to you and i think maybe even the word of knowledge that he knew god revealed to him hey this is of me i'm doing something here mm -hmm. so it's interesting to see how all of those gifts kind of just they just kind of worked together and there was no um, no fanfare no no neon lights going word of knowledge word of wisdom right <laughs> But, and that's the reason I want to point that out. And I'm so glad you brought that, this little anecdote out because when we talk about the gifts of the spirit, it's important to know what the Bible says, but it's also important to know about others' experience because it helps to shape our ability to see and recognize the gifts at work in our lives personally and mm -hmm. in the church. And it demystifies the gifts of the spirit, because when we start talking gifts, people get kind of, you know, mystical about it. And it's very, it's supposed to be very natural. It's supposed to be mm -hmm. very normal. We, we saw there diverse kinds of tongues, a discerning of spirits, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, four gifts in operation in a very short little capsule of time, mm -hmm. but it was enough to make an impact on you. For sure. And so that's how common, and, and you know, I used to think, well, I mean, if we get one gift working in our services, that's, we're doing good. No, all, there was four gifts at work in that one situation. How much mm -hmm. more so does that happen and we don't even realize it. Right. And we don't thank God for it. And we don't have, then build our faith for it the next time. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing. Uh, anybody else in the last couple of minutes before we close? 
Another question, but just a comment uh, based on your last statement. And I agree. Uh, and thank you for naming it because by us, by you calling it out or we naming them, it does really help because I didn't see the four. I thought there were just one. Right? Yes. And you said, oh, yeah, there are more. And so yeah. uh, I'll be more discerning um, in, in trying to identify you know, in the service which spirit is in operation or, um, or which gift, rather. There's only one spirit. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And it builds your faith, right? It builds your faith. Because then you realize, I, I got a profound boost of faith when I was at one point in studying all of this, either this, it wasn't this time around, but uh, in other times that I've taught this and preparing. And I realized I've been used in other gifts. I, I, I always thought, no, tongues and interpretation is the only one I've ever been used in. And then it hit me. Oh, I've been used. To, oh, I've been used. To, wow. Look at. Well, thank you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Especially that one, the, the, the gift of prophecy. Right. Yeah, that's a new take on it. I Because you always think of something in the future. Mm. Um, but yeah, right there in the, in the current situation, something very present. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let exactly. me help you with another one. Hopefully this will boost somebody's faith. Raise your digital hand, okay, if you know where the little raise your hand button is on your thing. If you've ever prayed someone through to the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you've ever been in an altar call and you've prayed with someone, you've prayed through, prayed someone through to the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay, those of you that have said yes, God has used you in the working of miracles. Oh, beautiful. Mm, beautiful. Amen. If you've ever been used by God to help pray through someone to the to the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that's the working of miracles. Because it's a miracle for them to speak in other tongues. And if you laid hands on them and prayed with them and guided them to the place where they could receive it, God used you in the gift of the working of miracles. So again, it, it, it just brings it down. You know, you hear miracles and you think, oh no, someone's legs got to grow. Someone's got to, you know, grow a new arm. Uh, that's a real miracle. No, someone, if someone is filled with the Holy Ghost, that's a miracle. So, uh, you know, demystifying the, the gifts of the spirit and bringing it down to the level it, it, takes the pedestal away there's no pedestal and it's for everybody and and it's and it and literally if god can use you in that gift he can use you in another one all right everybody god bless you hope you have a great night thanks for sharing thanks for coming and uh, we'll see you all on sunday have a great rest of your week